everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of BAM Sports and Entertainment. That's Boris and Matt Sports and Entertainment. Guess what? We're Boris and Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. It's, uh, it's a steamy, gross one in Toronto, but hey, life is good, and uh, man, oh man, lots of things happening in pro wrestling, less so in sports. Lots of things happening in my life. I don't know about yours, buddy. I can't get a second to sit down lately. I know. Same here. It's been insanely busy. Uh, things are, are are just like, you know, fast and furious. Um, it's been a crazy few weeks. It's been a fun few weeks. So much to talk about. And yeah, there's not so much sports happening because we are in the dog days of summer. But, you know, fall is around the corner. And you know that fall is probably the best time for sports because the NHL is starting, the NBA is starting, the NFL is starting, baseball is going into its playoffs. It's 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 a beautiful time for sports. Absolutely, yeah. Some people would say the spring is the best, but I'm with you there, buddy. I'm more of a fall man. I like I like the the MLB World Series coinciding with the hope that is springing eternal in the fall for baseball. Uh, yep. not, not for, sorry, for, not for, for basketball, for hockey, and for football. Man, the Dolphins this year, ooh, ooh. Raptors are in a little bit of a rebuild, but boy, Scotty Barnes, man, he looks like a real one, too. He really does. All right, we're going to be talking about all that stuff, so we're going to be talking Blue Jays, CFL, AEW, NFL preseason, and then for our wrestling half, we're going to be talking about three shows. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Ring of Honor because I cover Ring of Honor every week for Slam Wrestling. We're going to be talking about AAA, Triple Mania 36 that happened on August the 14th, 2021. And then we're going to be talking about another show that happened at the same time as AAA from August the 14th, New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence, which was live from the Coliseum in Los Angeles, California. USA, planet Earth. <laughs> yes, uh, from the torch, not not the pro wrestling yes. torch, the smaller building next to the. They didn't go to the Coliseum; it's a hundred thousand seats. But uh, you know, good for New Japan for coming coming stateside and putting on a pretty dang good show. Uh, yeah, man, how you doing, homie? Man, I am doing fantastic. It's been a crazy few weeks. Um, yeah, dog days of summer, man. You know, school is starting. School is around the corner. In person classes are starting up again. Uh, so you know, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff is going on. Um, you know, my brother is getting ready for the big move out west. So I'm trying to spend some quality time with that family. Um, and and more importantly, my little nephews. Gotta get the gotta get the uncle nephew time in while I can. Um, yeah, but man, it's it's been super fun, uh, you know, trying to enjoy things while they are still open because we have no idea what the hell is going to happen with COVID. And I don't want to turn this into the COVID hour, but, you know, because we talk sports, because we talk wrestling, we talk live events, it's impossible to ignore it. Oh, a million percent, man. Yeah. And Canada's doing decently. And it's a, it's a, it's a state by state case. It looks like in the U.S. Right. Yeah. Where, where it's really they're being hit harder than uh, some places, you know, like, not to like paint with a broad strokes brush here. But it seems like kind of the north is doing a little bit better than the south. If you just kind of look uh, at a map <laughs> yep. and uh, 
Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I I I'm feeling pretty good about the few uh, shows we actually have booked. Like uh, AEW in Chicago should work out. Uh, I even think like getting to the World Series, Major League Baseball should be fine. But it's right around that September October mark of the calendar where it's going to start getting very worrisome, Boris. Yep, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Yesterday, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment announced that starting mid-September, any MLSE venue, to get into any MLSE venue, you're going to need to have either proof of vaccination or a current negative COVID test result. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. I think it's the right call. I'll I'll show a vaccination card to get into a Jays game. I have no problem with that, but I'm going to be vaccinated anyway. I still actually only have one dose. I have my uh, my appointment is still for September. I could get that, but I should just walk into a pharmacy when I have three days off and just get one, yep. get my second dose, get it over with at this point. But anyway, I I have no problem with that personally. But I, I again I. I'm just trying to be accepting of people at this point. As much as like the vaccine can really hurt, like not taking the vaccine can really hurt people on a wide level. I I don't know. I don't want to sit here and come down on anyone who doesn't have it. Yeah. But I do I, I do understand why MLSE would make that rule and I don't disagree at all. See Matt, here's the important um part of the entire message. If you read the full PR message, I'm not gonna read it line by line, but like I said in the headline. You either have to be fully vaccinated or show a negative COVID test, I believe, within 72 hours of said event. Now, you know, yes, it sucks that, you know, you're being mandated to do something, but there are places in the U.S. that are going the extreme, and it's like you're either vaccinated or you're not getting in. So, you know, I'm okay with this middle ground. I'm okay with those who choose not to be vaccinated having to show a negative test. And that's something that is happening all across Ontario, all across Canada. Um, Porter Airlines even announced today uh, the education system, the medical system here in Ontario. You know, you are either vaccinated or you have to go through testing to show you don't have COVID. Yeah, and to me, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not... I don't know. I, I think it's I, I don't know. This is a whole different debate. But is it really impeding on your freedoms? Whose freedoms are is it impeding on anyway? Anyway, anyways. Man. Yeah, let's just let's just not really go too deep into that ditch. But to say, hey, nothing is promised. Nothing is promised. Even the AEW shows in Illinois coming up very shortly. Well, those aren't even promised. Yesterday, there is now a mask mandate in Ohio taking place so you know there's already a mask mandate in in nevada las vegas to be exact for SummerSlam this weekend so uh Mm -hmm. it's going to be very interesting uh to see the crowd and seeing people masked mind you you know we'll see what happens i don't know i can make a joke about how shitty and not interested i am in SummerSlam, but (laughs) you know what's crazy is the one match that i cared the most about on SummerSlam was the rematch of Bianca and Sasha because the first match was awesome. It was in my top 20 matches of the year, top 25 maybe. It's it's perhaps even bumped a little lower than that. But, Boris, as I'm sure the listeners now know because this is just breaking basically as we're recording this, uh, Bianca and Sasha appear to both be cleared. So it looks like that SummerSlam match is going to be on. So that's great. That's literally the thing I care most about on the SummerSlam card. 
Yep, exactly. Same here, honestly. Like, that match, I think, is going to be great. Here's the thing about WWE. How many times, especially during the pandemic, were we knocking their pay-per-views? Were we knocking their weekly TV? Um, oh, it's but, brutal. Yeah, but once the actual pay-per-views happened, it was like, oh, that wasn't too bad. That was actually quite entertaining. I have a feeling that that's how it's going to be with SummerSlam, and I have a huge feeling that we are going to get one of the best takeover shows possible. Yeah, let's not talk too much wrestling before we get into wrestling talk, but just in a broad strokes WWE thing. Like the big problem with WWE is their storytelling and their like promos are absolute dog shit right now. But the in-ring wrestlers are still really good. So the pay-per-views are mostly just the wrestlers wrestling in the ring. And that's why the pay-per-views are significantly better than the TV shows, because the TV shows are mostly based on telling their terrible dog shit stories. Yep. Well, talking about terrible dog shit stories, Jacksonville Jaguars have cut Tim Tebow. <laughs> that actually big pop out of me, buddy. That was hilarious. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> you know what's funny? The the uh, the team seems pretty upset. It seems like he was actually popular in the locker room. But yep. you know what? It's a business, and he sucked at football. So get him out. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, I think also if he had made the team, if they were going to build this comeback story, there was going to be a lot of negative PR because there's a quarterback still sitting on the sidelines because uh -oh. of other reasons, right? That's a really good point. Although they would have switched his position. Like he was playing fullback, tight end, hybrid. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. really playing quarterback at all. He Regardless. wasn't brought in to even sniff it. But you're 100% right. And it's true. It's remains ridiculous that Colin Kaepernick hasn't gotten a shot since, what, 2012? Yep. Ugh, yep. disgusting. Dude, remains ridiculous. You, greatest move that Tony Khan has made this week, and this is the week that CM Punk might show up on AEW on Friday. So... <laughs> Thank you, Tony Khan. Thank you, Shah Khan. Um, yeah. Speaking of what we were talking about earlier in terms of COVID, um, NFL, they are like really being strict on COVID guidelines with their team, so much so that teams are really urging players to get the shots. Atlanta Falcons have become the first NFL team to be 100% vaccinated against COVID. Good for them, honestly, man. That's that's crazy. That's going to go a long way, I think, in the community. I think that's going to go a long way for, like, the fan base. Maybe not, like, every fan, but if it's even one fan who goes, like, you know what, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me, then that's great, man. That's a great example to set, in my opinion. And you just – it's a business, and you just need the people who work to, to be there. You need the workforce to actually be present yep. at the job. Exactly. So, Here's the thing. Done. I love the fact people – are probably questioning why do we care so much about sports and how COVID is being treated in sports because sports is such a huge institution of our lives we have to remember something do you remember back in March of 2020 when people you know when cruise ships were being um, docked no one can leave people were being quarantined and, you know the world was essentially shutting down around them but no one really took it serious until what happened Matt until the NBA shut down Boris yep Exactly. So we have to remember, I was actually listening to this awesome um, NPR. Um, no, it was CNBC. It was CNBC um, uh, radio show. And they were talking about, you know, the vaccine and, you know, the holdup. And then they were specifically talking about sports. Anyways, the big takeaway was that, you know, sports, because it's such an institution, there's so many eyes on it. And because there's billions of dollars on the line, you know, 
they look to sports as a way of not only testing things. So remember, before before sports um, was hit with COVID, there was no mass testing. Mass testing started because of sports and the bubbles. Um, so, you know, because of all the money um, in sports in general, a lot of eyes and a lot of medical professionals look to sports to test things out. That's a really good point. Yeah, in a lot of ways, because they're out there, because so much money is at stake, they become the guinea pigs in a lot of ways for these things. You know what I mean? For lack of a better term. And uh, yeah, it, it, it is amazing to see how far we've come, honestly. It really is. I think like there's a lot of uh, negatives over the last 18 months. But really, like the optimistic perspective is, man, it's amazing how much we have come together as a nation, how we have as a world, as a planet, how we have made a vaccine and largely distributed it to a lot of people. And we're doing a pretty decent job in some countries yep. across the world. Yep. All right, so that's enough COVID talk. Let's talk about some fun sports stuff. Let's talk about the MLB. Um, before we yeah. get to the local sports, did you watch the Field of Dreams game last Thursday? That was something, man. Was First of all, amazing baseball game. That's exactly what they needed. They needed to put a good product on the field. Thank God they got a good game. But what, what a stunning bit of visuals. You know something, Boris? I've never seen that movie. I still absolutely love that game. I could have uh, done without... I wish I you could see. I could have done see. without Kevin Costner. I, no, no, no. Take that back, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never seen the movie, and he's an old rambling man at this point. So You're an old rambling man. I am an old rambling man, yes. You, no, okay, but, uh, no, hold yeah, on. No. Hold on. Has, hold on. Wait a minute. The next time that we hang out, we are watching Field of Dreams together. <laughs> okay, it's it's a deal. I'm in. I'll do it. You have but, to uh, watch yeah, it. yeah, man. I just I uh I thought it was beautiful. I love I love a field trip, as Brian Alvarez says when he's talking about wrestling. Uh those old nitro shows when they used to go to Club Lavella, I think it was, with the floating ring and every uh, every time someone would get thrown into the pool. That's that's a wrestling field trip. And anytime the show that you watches that, that the show that you watch, the show that you love goes to a new location, Boris, it feels like a field trip at school. It's just a good time. Yep. That was a field trip. That was an awesome one. Exactly. The, the beautiful sky. Oh man. Yep. And let it be known that I love the fact that the Yankees lost that game off of a walk off. In fact, they lost two games that series out of a, off of a walk off. Amazing. Yeah. Timmy Anderson. Good for him for getting that uh, little spot in the sunshine because Tim Anderson is incredible. One of the most underrated players in baseball. Yep. Um, let's talk about Chris Davis. Yeah. So uh, you pointed out uh, on the old Facebook machine, a, a bit of Bobby Bonilla here. Chris yep. Davis is going to be paid until what? 2037? 2037. So this is his breakdown. He is still owed $65 million in his contract. Thank you, <laughs> unions. Thank you, CBAs. Because, you know, oh my God. So he's still owed $65 million in his contract. He was signed back in 2016. Um, and I believe it was a six-year deal. I want to, someone can correct me. Someone's yelling at us that we're idiots. Um, but here's the breakdown. Because of the deferred payments and contract structure, in 2022, he's going to be making $23 million. In 2023 to 2025, he's going to be making $9.16 million. 2026 to 2032, $3.5 million. And then 2033 to 2037, he's going to be making a 
a a measly $1.4 million for a total of $65 million, all to be paid out July 1st. That That is something else, man. What a gig for this guy. And he hasn't even been good for the last, like, five years. Yeah. He was awesome in his day, though. He was a slugger, Chris Davis. He definitely put up some, some huge numbers, power numbers. This guy was legit. But it's just funny. He's the new Bobby Bonilla. He's going – you're going to see memes about this guy continuing to be paid 10, 15 years down the road. Yep. And, and you know what I love? I love the fact that people criticize um, Mark Shapiro – about the contracts here in Toronto. And then you take a look at that. <laughs> it's yeah. like, right? Like, it's 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 Could not comparable. Worse. It's not comparable. Could be worse. Yeah. Matt, I, I have a question I for you. I, hit me. All right. Olympic International Baseball has the mercy rule. Essentially, the mercy rule is if when a team leads by 10 runs after the seventh inning, the team, the game ends because it's, it's, it's you know, mercy. Won't anyone think of the children? Now, <laughs> this happened a couple times during the olympics and i guess it caught the attention of some journalists and some fans and there have been debates on forums and news shows sports news shows and sports radio talk about the mercy rule and fox being fox fox sports that is put it out there should there be a mercy rule in the mlb hmm i'm gonna say no only because the history of baseball is such like so based on statistics, right? And you're just removing so many at bats over the course of a season that could be as many as two to five home runs, two to five hits, even all these, all these benchmarks, all these huge numbers, every at bat matters, man. So I don't love that. I think it makes a lot of sense for lower leagues. I think like every minor league could probably stand to do that. But I, I, I think that would screw up too many records. I, they're already playing with fire on that. Front. Yeah, like 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 people who don't like baseball, like my older roommate, he likes baseball, but he really doesn't like baseball. Um, <laughs> you know, he would always question the validity of the home run uh, king because he's like, every field is different. And it's true. When Babe Ruth hit his, you know, his 61 home runs, some fields were over like 450 down center right like they were bigger and then some people play in pitcher friendly parks or batter friendly parks so already you know the stats in baseball come into question but i believe with the mercy rule it would just completely blow everything out of the water also tv how would you price advertisements from the seventh to the ninth inning where typically Typically, today, they are more expensive, but because the game might not even go that far, how do you price those? Yeah, they'd have to be even more expensive, maybe. Or less expensive, because it's not a guarantee that your ads is going to be on. That's that's an excellent point, but I was just going to say, like, the fifth and the sixth inning become the new seventh, eighth, ninth, right? Like, anyway, yeah. Or Um, tickets. Tickets. What if you bought a game and it's the one game? Let's say you were still living in the Great White North and it's the one game that you were able to get down to Toronto for, and the game ended in the seventh inning because the Blue Jays suck. Yeah, exactly. Because the Blue Jays got mercy ruled at home. That would yeah. be devastating. Like the mercy rule would actually be kind of exciting and fun, especially for a baseball game. I don't think it would be that bad. The, the crowd goes home a slightly earlier than they expect because of a dominant home team win. I don't think anyone would feel ripped off, but if the home team lost by the mercy rule, Boris, 
oh man, you would have some angry fans and that would just be a recipe for disaster. So no, I don't think the mercy rule is ever coming to MLB. I do think it's the kind of thing though, that should be probably tried in minor league baseball. And I also said that about the uh, runner starting on second base in extra innings. I also said that about them abolishing the DH, which they actually might completely uh, in the NL or uh, sorry, uh, the opposite of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Jack Morris got himself in a little bit of trouble. What, what did he say again? Or what happened? During the Tigers broadcast, um, they were talking about Otani, and he may or may not have used a Asian accent while poking fun at him. Really? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. What's wrong with the 92-93 like... Jays team? Are these guys like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, that's not great. But Jack Morris has kind of always been uh, an uncouth kind of guy, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he's if you look back, you can Google Jack Morris, and he's got some quotes that uh, would not fly today, Boris. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, man, that, that sucks. I completely actually missed that story, but, oh, that's rough. Yeah, it's just coming you out know? today, so that's a thing. You just got to know. You just got to know what your what day and age we're in, man. Like, come on. It's, yeah, it's not that hard. Um, anything else you want to talk about? It's not about funny sports? anyway. It wasn't funny in 1990. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Unless it was South Park. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about sports in general before we talk about our local teams? I. Uh, well, I did want to. I did want to touch on like, do you think the CFL is ruining all elite wrestling in Canada? <laughs> CFL and Friday Night Football. <laughs> Here's the thing, like, <laughs> TSN has five channels, and I understand that they have obligations, but they have five channels. You don't have to show the TS the a CFL game on three of the five channels. This is the thing, though, Boris. Unlike ESPN, which ranks in terms of, like, ranking, like ESPN 1 is the most important, ESPN oh, no, 2 TSN is... TSN 4 is the main one. And the other TSNs are uh, regional, right? So it's not really five channels. It's one channel, one main national channel, and four separate regional feeds. Now, it can still be achieved, what you're saying, because most people have satellite anyway. And those who don't, maybe it's just the West Coast that gets to watch Rampage this week. You know what yeah. I mean? You can you can juggle it around. Because the vast majority of people, the truth is, have all five TSNs if they have one. Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, is TSN 2 regional also, or is that national? Is that, like, the backup? Yeah, it might be that. It might be, like, TSN. I forget which one is which. I think but 4. Yeah, at least I know three, 4 four is the five. main one. I know 4 is okay. the main one. 2 is the questionable one. But 1, 2, and 5, I've heard, and you confirmed it for me, that they are the regional ones. Yeah, 1's definitely Winnipeg. 1 is West Coast, and 1 is, like, I, I don't know, Montreal East Coast. Yeah, yeah there you go. All right, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's weird, man. Um, but it's not like if you have a TV subscription, chances are, n number one, um, and you have TSN, uh, number one, you get all five channels. Number two, you have access to their website and the apps. So you can log on through your cable provider, and there's always a channel of something else that they have signed up for but they can't put on TV. And on Friday nights, 10 p.m., more often than not, it's going to be AEW Rampage. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, yeah, I get 
if you're a West Coast CFL team, you're not going to be like, hey, why is this upstart wrestling company like taking our TSN time? And if you're TSN, you've had the CFL forever, forever. That's like, that's the meal ticket almost. Dude, and, and, and look, we live in Toronto. We don't give a crap about CFL, but you leave Toronto. Even go to Hamilton. They actually care about the CFL. Out West, it's insane how much they love the CFL. Yeah, big time. It's Saskatchewan especially. Yeah. They are crazy for their Rough Riders out there. Yep. Oh, yeah, Jack Morris was actually suspended, man. Oh, wow. Yep. I didn't realize he was suspended indefinitely. Yep. 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 Just crazy. waiting for Eckersley to say something dumb. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, dude. I'm sure it's so, yeah, so that's... Just- you know, it's the perks of, of Canadian TV, man. Wrestling is not respected up here in in, uh, in Canada. Like, I remember as a child during 96, 97, Raw might be on at midnight. That was the first showing ever. Then it might be on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Nitro might be on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Um, you know, it, it was such a crapshoot on when you can watch wrestling up here. Um, and, and it seems to be a continuing tradition because... Even NXT, the amount of times that NXT gets put on the back burner by Rogers Sportsnet, you know, it's 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 countless. And then you're gonna wonder why NXT isn't doing well, right? Like it's 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 kind of funny. No, a million percent. Yeah, no, NXT is, doesn't have a chance in Canada. I mean, also, the the picture in picture thing is is pretty egregious as well. That's a separate thing, though. At least TSN actually shows the picture in picture with AEW. I think. You know, the picture-in-picture thing doesn't bother me so much. I think it bothers you and I because we cover it and we need to talk about it. That's true. Yeah, I guess it's a small thing, but it is just kind of annoying yeah. to hear them say, oh, don't you don't, don't you turn away because you're going to see more in this commercial, and then you don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of just like, ah, but well, I, maybe I should turn away. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Um, but yeah, wrestling, long story short, wrestling has never been respected up here to that extent. Um, I remember when ECW, e, do you know what, what channel ECW used to be on? We're talking oh, about WWECW, not actual ECW. I have no idea. Was it the Space Network? Global. Oh, it was actually global, eh? No yeah. way. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. I uh, I don't think I ever caught it live. I would have had I known that because I definitely had Global my whole life. But it wasn't on the Canadian equivalent of Sci-Fi Space Network. Eh? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> and on top of it all, it was aired like Friday at midnight. Oh, weird. Perhaps yeah. that's why I never once heard about it. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that's, yeah. So And it's funny because like our American counterparts are always like, man, you guys, you guys have wrestling on sports channels. Do you guys think it's real? yeah the answer to that is yes yes we do yep all right man let's talk about some raptors jays leafs whatever you want to talk about what's on your mind well let's start with jays uh sucked that they they got uh rocked by washington last night i think they're losing to washington as we speak right now too so that's not good but uh I, it looks like Rafael Dolis has been sent down. We called up, I believe it was Kevin Smith. That's probably good. Rafael Dolis gets rocked all the time. I'm not sure he's a major league pitcher, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. The, the Jays were looking hot until this little hiccup. They were looking hot until George Springer hit the wall so hard on Saturday, and now he has a grade one knee sprain. At least it's grade one. 
Yeah, it could be worse. It could be grade two. Could be grade three. <laughs> like, my God, you know, don't even say it. Yeah, exactly. Perish the thought, Boris. But yeah, like it just sucks. Like he was having. It was the summer of Springer, and now it's. You know, yeah. I can see him being gone. You know, if he takes too long, just shut him down at this point, in my opinion. In my opinion, the season's pretty much done. Like, we're losing games against teams that we should be beating. We're, we're, we have one of the easiest second halves of the season, and we are just shitting the bed. It just sucks because if you look at next month, it's not as easy as this August is. This yep. was the time. This yep. was the time. So normally I would say, oh, it's too early to, to pack it in. They're four games back of the wild card or five, right? They're not that far away. It's halfway through August. But, man, this is the stretch that they need to make up ground because if they don't do it here, they're probably not going to do it next month. So I agree with you. They have to, they have to do it now. It hasn't been the summer of uh, Springer. It's been like the fortnight of Springer, buddy. He's been only around for like two weeks. He was the hurt fortnight. the whole first half, too. <laughs> You're right. You're right, 100%. Yeah, the Fortnite of Springer. Um, <laughs> fucking guy. Oh, whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on our manager, Charlie Montoyo? I think he's the worst manager in Major League Baseball, and the Jays will probably not even make the playoffs until we fire him. I like him as a person. He's like seems cool. like an all right dude. Dude, here's the thing. I agree 100% with you. I think he's a great person, but being a great person doesn't win you World Series unless you are the Dodgers manager. Anyways, <laughs> um, because I think my two teams, Dodgers and Jays, have the two worst managers in all of Major League Baseball. Oof. Uh, I don't mind. Well, I guess yeah, I, I can I can hear that argument. I think you might be underestimating uh, Roberts maybe a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. Well, oh, <laughs> that's a rant for another day. Um. <laughs> Montoyo, I think we can both agree Montoyo is the worst. The yeah. worst manager in baseball. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, that I'm a little, and they are losing 3-1 right now. Here's the thing that yeah. I am worried about. Vladdy, Bo, I think that if they like Montoyo, a lot they might have more pull and say than we think well it could get him another year or two but he's not going to be around forever you know i agree with that and that'll probably get him another year or two you know maybe that's why he's here right now it's kind of like my theory about biggio right like i think that we should trade biggio i thought we should have traded biggio at the trade deadline but i have a feeling that his 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 brothers in arms are keeping him on the team it might be, man. It might actually that's that's as good a theory as any. But you know what? We don't if Santiago keeps looking this good, he's playing really well. We kinda don't need BGO anymore. Santiago That's what, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Masai Ujiri had a press conference earlier today, basically just having fun talking to the media for the first time since he was re-signed, and it's really the first in-person media call that he's had since last March, which is absolutely crazy to even think about. Um, But yeah, he was just talking about kind of the process he went through uh, to get re-signed. He talked about, you know, working with Tannenbaum and how long the process was, which is, and he, he essentially said in the back of his mind, he knew that this is where he wanted to be he loves the city he loves what the city brings he loves the attention that uh the fans give um and uh you know he just wanted to focus on the season as best as possible the two major takeaways number one was laurie um he basically called him the best raptor that's ever been the best there was the best there is you know um and number two he essentially talked about the rebuild and i 100 agree with this point and that is if the raptors don't play in toronto we're effed. I don't think people realize how hard it is for these players to not play in your home. 
Oh, absolutely, man. That million percent agree with that. That's yeah, that's huge. And like the crowd is a humongous factor as well. Like, don't get it twisted. A bigger factor is people sleeping yes. in their own beds, obviously, like playing in their home gym, working out with the equipment they're used to, like that whole thing. But the crowd matters, too, especially because Toronto has one of the best home field advantages in all of sports. Like the Toronto Raptors crowd is insane. Yeah, we have great facilities as well. Like we have the gym in yeah. uh, Scotia Bank. We have the OVO training facility. The you know uh, by the by the lake there, the Drake Gym basically. Um, so you know, the Drake it's, it's by the lake. Drake by the lake, exactly. You know, so they have great facilities that they can go to and use and whatnot. Um, and you know, going back to the home field advantage and the home crowd. Look at the Jays. Look at the run that they went on when they got back home. Yeah, million percent. Yeah, absolutely. After playing in the the throes of Buffalo, New York. Yeah, they actually did go on a hot, hot run and kind of teased us all thinking they were maybe uh, a little better than they were. Perhaps Jay still need some pitching, man. They still need uh, they still need an ace and a couple a couple arms in the bullpen. Yep. All right, man. I think it is time to move on to some wrestling. So for those of you who are only listening to the sports, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. And for those of you who are in it for the long run, the long haul, I thank you so much. And now we're going to be talking about three shows. We're going to be talking about Ring of Honor, NJPW Resurgence, and AAA Triple Mania. So we're going to start off with some Ring of Honor. And this show is actually pretty quickly, quick, quickly, pretty quick. Boris, English, stop with your ESL. All right. Um, and the reason for that, Matt, is because they had their yearly champions versus all-stars. Essentially, it's a match where you have all of your champions and they have a tag team match against all of their number one contenders. So this year, it was a 10-man tag. That's an interesting concept. I'm here for it. Yep. Sounds pretty cool. I, I was not aware that this was a Ring of Honor tradition. How how far back does this go? Do you know? No, they didn't mention it. And I was, I honestly, I didn't look that up um, before we recorded. Hmm. Well, that that's uh, well. I'll definitely look into that. We'll have that for you next week. I really like this concept. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool because it's also like the quote unquote go home before their glory by honor special event. Not a pay per view, but not a regular like TV. Um, you know, so it's a two night event this weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. I'll be covering both nights on Slam. Um, and it, you know, one of the my major complaints has been the fact. That, you know, we haven't really gotten many stories. Like, we just saw Bandito for the first time since winning the belt last Mm -hmm. week on TV. So, I'm like, well, he's facing Flip Gordon. We've seen Flip Gordon once. We've seen Bandito once. What do I care about this match? This match did a fantastic job of kind of um, telling stories. So, before we get there, let's talk about the first match of the night, which was Holodead versus Max the Impaler. So, this is a a first-round match and the final first-round match for the Women's Championship Tournament. And I love this. Um, so this was kind of like your more, your two more character-driven wrestlers. Holodead, um, you know, you probably have seen her in the indies. Max the Impaler, likewise. Um, Max the Impaler is like a big brute. Holodead is Holodead. Um, and I absolutely, um, I, I love it. So, um, very good match. And I got to say, like, Holodead is more of the veteran of the two, but Max the Impaler just dominated the entire match. No matter what Holodead tried to do, Max the Impaler just had a answer 
for it, and it was great. Um, so essentially, Max the Impaler won with a move that she calls to the wastelands, which is essentially a rack attack-like maneuver. So Max the Impaler won at 9 minutes, 18 seconds. I would give this match three handshakes out of five. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. a fun yeah, match. Not- Great storytelling. Fantastic storytelling. Pretty good in-ring, and it was just a lot of fun. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, Holodead, a veteran wrestler, has been doing it for a while. Uh, Max the Impaler has only been wrestling since 2018. Yep. So that's pretty pretty impressive. Good for her. And, uh, yeah, she definitely, you know, huge tattooed girl. Like, seems like she's got a future in this year wrestling business if she sticks it out. Yeah. One thing I loved. So they did the video packages to introduce, introduce both women before the match. And Holodead had one of the best lines, best quotes that I can think of. She compared herself to, and called herself the Rodney Dangerfield of wrestling because she doesn't get any respect. <laughs> I like it. I'm for it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Rodney. I love. I know. I love him. Uh, all right. So then we got a video promo from Matt Taven. Man, he's <laughs> so boring. <laughs> I just do not like this man. Has he ever had an exciting moment in his career? God bless him, Matt Taven. Honestly, I can't even think of one. I can't even think of a Matt Taven moment I liked. Even watching him live with uh, Mike Kanellis when they were the Kingdom. It's just like, no, like, he, he, it was always boring. He always went for cheap heat, and just the it just never worked out. What a stable. Matt Taven and Mike Kanellis. Yep. So, essentially, they were hyping up the match between himself, Taven, and uh, Vincent, and it's going to be a steel cage match at Glory by Honor um, this weekend. So then, it, you know, let's talk about the main event. There were only two matches on this card, um, and it was the champions, Bandito, Dragon Lee, Jonathan Gresham, Homicide, Chris Dickinson versus the All-Stars, which consisted of EC3, the Briscoes, Flip Gordon, Flip Gordon and Josh Woods. Um, so Code of Honor was adhered to. First two competitors in the ring were Jonathan Gresham and Josh Woods. And then, essentially, every champion or champions had their moment with their number one contender it was re- it was really a lot of fun um so there was a lot of back and forth storytelling and it was just really well done match um at the end of the match i gotta say that they really did a fantastic job of putting over flip gordon flip gordon won with a paul orndorff approved paul driver to homicide uh he won at 13 minutes and 29 seconds for the all-stars nice so flip gordon pinned homicide correcto awesome oh, dope with a pile driver i like it 13 minutes at that seems like it was pretty would you say it's worth seeking out yes. especially if you've got it saved on the dvr yep it's still there i would honestly watch this if you do plan to watch glory by honor and i would give this match three handshakes out of five Nice, nice, yep. very good. Good good storytelling. All right, let's talk quickly talk about Glory by Honor. We're going to be covering this next week. So it's a two-night event, August 20th, 21st, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So night one, Ray Orris versus Silas Young, uh, Briscoes versus The Righteous, Brian Johnson versus EC3, Rhett Titus and Jonathan Gresham for the ROH Pure Championship, uh, Violence Unlimited versus La Facción Ingobernable, and then... Flip Gordon versus Bandito for the ROH Championship. Night two is the Briscoes versus Demonic Flamita and Flip Gordon. Uh, Incoherence versus Shane Taylor Promotions for the ROH Trios Championship. Dude, 
this is a match I'm looking for forward to Danhausen versus Dalton Castle. Oh, wow. A comedy classic in the making. Of course, yep. I just put in a pro wrestling tease order. I got uh, I got uh, Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler shirt, of course. I got it. I got like the mystery two pack of shirts. I actually drew a pretty good two pack. It's a Kenny Omega shirt and a Dr. Britt Baker shirt, which I'm wearing right now. In love fact. it. TMD. That's what and I thought you were wearing. Fourth- yeah, 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 yeah. I love this shirt. Yeah. It fits great, too. And the fourth one, which is one that I did buy on purpose, near and dear to my heart, love that Danhausen shirt, buddy. Love, love it. Love that Danhausen. Love it. All right. Also on the card, Elise and Roxy versus Chelsea Green and Willow. Violence Unlimited versus The Foundation. Bandito and Ray Oris versus Dragon Lee and Rush. And then the main event is Matt Taven versus Vincent in a steel cage match, which is the match I'm least looking forward to <laughs> all weekend. Yeah, definitely. Give me four Danhausen versus Dalton Castles before one of those. Yep. All right, so that was ROH TV. Again, a lot of fun. Glory by honor this weekend. I'll be covering it for Slam. We'll be talking about it next Wednesday. All right, let's talk about some New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence. Awesome. We're going to do Resurgence first. I'm into it. Let's do it. Yep, so so this... Go ahead. I was going to say live from the torch in Los Angeles, California, right outside the Coliseum. Boris, what did you think of the look of this show? What did you think of the feel of it? We were talking earlier about different settings for wrestling, and I was waiting for this point in the show to talk about this. And I just always loved, I love wrestling arenas, wrestling locales, wrestling locations that look different i loved nitro from the mall of america i loved nitro and not the look not the shows loved the nitro when they were in 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 uh, panama city florida you know unfortunately the last episode took place there but that's story for another day um i just love the different look and feels of of the setting that they're in the arthur ash stadium for aew really looking oh. forward to that just a different unique setting right like i'm i love it even um, Hogwild or Roadwild, whatever they called it in WCW, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Not the shows. shows they were, were usually some of the worst shows in yeah. history, but the look was cool. So I loved the look of this here show. Yeah, 100% agree with you, man. And actually, I think not to touch on AEW here again, but I think that's something that Rampage needs. Rampage needs a separate set. It needs a look that sets it apart from Dynamite. Right now, it just looks like Dynamite. Yeah, agreed. All right, so let's get to this. August 14, 2021, Los Angeles, California, at the Torch at LA Coliseum. It was on Fight TV and New Japan World. Um, the commentators for the night were Kevin Kelly, Alex Kozlov, and Matt Ray Wold, also known as Aiden English. What did you so think of the commentary? Did, Let's talk about the commentary before we get to the show. All right, so you're going to have to give the thoughts on the commentary because, Boris, I watched this on New Japan World and it only had the Japanese commentary up. So I did not catch the English commentary on Fight. Right, so it was pretty good. Um, I got to say, I like Aiden English. Uh, he he tells a good story. He has the background. He's kind of like the Excalibur of the team where he really understands the product and the wrestlers and the history, cool. as does Kevin Kelly. But, you know, he, he, he's more on the color side of the uh, of the commentary side. Um, Alex Kozlov is okay, and Kevin Kelly is Kevin Kelly, right? Like, it's, it's if you've watched one New Japan show, you know how good or bad he can be. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he's hit and miss Kevin Kelly. People really like him, so hey, more power to them. I read 
that uh, the former Aiden English did not do a good job. I, I, it was people on the internet saying that he was terrible, but people on the internet hate everything. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like them. Um, all right, so... First match of the night was Carl Fredericks versus Alex Coughlin. Um, this match was okay. It was pretty short. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Carl Fredericks beat Alex Coughlin. It was okay. It yeah. was meh. I I quite liked it, but, you know, it was, it was hard-hitting, but it was your straightforward New Japan opener between two, as they say, young lions. So uh, I believe Carl Fredericks wins in 10 minutes and 47 seconds with his uh, finishing move, which is the Manifest Destiny, which is an elevated DDT like uh, Gangrel used to use, or Edge. An Impaler DDT, yep. Um, you know, and, and that's exactly it. It was your typical uh, New Japan opener uh, with Young Lions, and these are people who you would typically see on New Japan Strong. All right, match number two, Fred Rosser, Rocky Romero, and Wheeler Yuta versus TJP, Clark Connors, and Ren Narita. Yeah, uh, just before we go too further, I would give that first match, we're going to go three uh, Young Lions out of five for a 60% New Japan percentage on that one. Yep, all right. Fred Rosser, Rock Romero, and Wheeler Yuta versus TJP, Clark Connors, and Ren Narita. Yeah, again, pretty straightforward match. This is a kind of a basic six-man. It's pretty standard second match, multi-man tag on a New Japan card. You've seen this a hundred times if you've seen it once. Uh, but, you know, I thought Fred Rosser is pretty good. I, uh, I also, God bless him, I liked TJP in this match. You know, all, all six guys did well. Wheeler Yuta... Obviously, is a young star in the making. This is pretty good. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, Connors put Romero down with a choke slam. TJP hit him with the Mamba Splash. TJP won for his team. Um, so, your winners were Yuta, TJP, Clark Connors, um, and Ren Narita. So, how would you rate this bat- this match? Yeah, I think a pretty standard, pretty straightforward match. We're going Mendoza line. It's two and a half Coliseums out of five. For a uh, 50% Los Angeles percentage. Yep. All right. Um, we got a video package uh, which recapped the G1 Supercard at MSG. The interesting part about this package that it stated the relationship between New Japan, um, ROH, CMLL, and now AEW and Impact Wrestling. And it closed with a thank you to the fans in the U.S. for all of their support during the pandemic. Yeah, I thought that was pretty nice. Very well done. Classy. All right, match number three, Leo Rush, Chris Dickinson, and Fred Yehai, and Yuya Umura, Adrian Quest, versus Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and Danny Limelight in a 10-man tag. Yeah, 10-man tag team match. Brody King originally Your supposed to be wrestler? in this match. He, yeah, he, he, I actually am softening on him, uh, much like Jordan Devlin, He's growing on me the more I watch him. But yeah, he was replaced in this match by Adrian Quest, who got the piss beaten out of him as the low man on the totem pole. Yep. Yes, he did. I like this match, to be honest. Um, There was, you know, for lack of a better term, no pun intended, this match had nonstop action. Um, You know, it's if this was fun. And again, I would have to say your kind of typical New Japan ten man match, but with your American flair, right? Like it, it was, it was yeah. a multi man match, but you had your spots. Everyone had their spot. Everyone was able to showcase something, um, 
and it was I liked this match at the end of the day. Uh, you know, Adrian Quest, like you said, got his ass kicked. He was highlighted the most, but not because of his offense. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was what it was. What did you think? Yeah. I liked it a lot. In my opinion, it was the best match on the show to this point. It didn't like blow my socks off, but yeah, it was an above average match. And if you factor in the post-match angle, which we tend to do, I thought this was pretty, pretty dang good. Yep, exactly. So after the match, Lawler talks smack from ringside. Um, the rush approached the broadcast table and said that New Japan, um, the open way NJPW open way championship belongs to him, and he hopes that Lawler knows that. Umura stuck around and addressed the crowd from the middle of the ring. Um, Shibata, the Shibata, came out and gave him an LA Dojo T-shirt, and they left the ring together. Yeah, so a couple of things about this. Yeah, Yuya Uemura wins the match with his, like, suplexy, like an exploder with a bridge thing, like a fisherman's exploder kind of thing. You, it's tough to describe. It's uh, the Yuya, the Yuya Plex, let's call it, Boris. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah, the, the baby faces beat Team Filthy in 13 minutes. I thought this was, uh, you know, average to a slightly above average match with a really good angle at the end when Uemura grabs the microphone, says, nice to meet you. My name is Yuya Uemura, and then Katsuyori Shibata, the great Shibata, comes out, Boris, says, come with me, hands him a dojo t-shirt, like you said, and the, the Japanese announcers chant, holy shit, holy shit, in English. I thought that was awesome. Really helped put it over the top. Great angle at the end of a really fun match. So we're going to go, just for the angle, it's going to boost it up to a three and a half uh la lakers out of this one it's a it's a 70 percent kobe percentage boris very cool very cool um see I, I like that touch about the japanese announced team so you got a different perspective than i did all right fourth match yeah. of the night was juice robinson versus hikaleo yeah not a lot to this one it's pretty no. bad yeah hikaleo I, is, is is still greener than grass he needs to stick to being a big man yeah, he's he's like an in-between. He's trying to do a lot of like smaller spots. He's trying to do like some, uh, yeah, he's trying to do some like pop-ups and some like, I don't know, he's trying to be more of a cruiserweight. He is a huge guy. He needs to put on some size and be a giant because he's not much, really. Look how much taller he was than Archer. If exactly, man. The thing is, if you can actually like pull off sick things, like if you if you can nail shooting star presses and moonsaults like Keith Lee, then by all means, go for it. But if you just want to work fast, you know, if you just want to work like Dolph Ziggler, except you're seven feet and you can't, then you're just kind of a bad wrestler. Of all of the wrestlers in the entire world that you could have picked to compare and say could have worked like <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I, just in terms of just in terms of rushing through everything. Yes. OK. I think it's a I think it's a fair comparison. OK. OK. <laughs> you're right. OK. You're right in that sense. I get you. <laughs> that's. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Hikaleo went for his finisher. Robinson countered into a pin for the win. After the match, Hikaleo attacked Robinson and choke slammed him. Again, it was what it was. Yeah, so yeah, Juice uh, rolls up uh, Hikaleo out of the Samoan driver, his finisher or whatever. Anyway, yeah, it was like it went about nine minutes. Eh, pretty bad match, but Juice worked hard. But yeah, Hikaleo is still green. I would say it's, it was below average. We're going to go uh, two Los Angeles Kings out of five. It's a 40% Gretzky percentage on this yep. one. A video package hyped that New Japan Strong will be coming to Dallas-Fort Worth on September 25, 26. 
Philadelphia at the 2300 Arena on October 16th, 17th, and Riverside, California on November 15th. That's actually pretty cool that they're going to the 2300 Arena. It was also announced that NJPW would return to San Jose, California with John Moxley, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Tomohiro Ishii, David Finley, Leo Rush, and more with Battle in the Valley on November the 13th. Yeah, just uh, just to uh, reiterate, in case anybody did not know, the 2300 Arena, formerly the ECW Arena, formerly, formerly a bingo hall. Yes, love it. <laughs> All right, then it was the surprise match of the night, the surprise, surprise. match of the evening. In terms of quality and excitement, <laughs> Tomohiro Ishii versus Moose. Now, I... I kind of I don't dislike Moose. I uh, I actually yeah. There are some charges in Moose's past that I wasn't aware of until very recently, like a couple of days ago. I didn't know, so that's kind of kind of shitty. Kind of derailed my uh, my Moose hype a little bit. But I'll tell you this: you know who's an incredible wrestler? You know who's fucking amazing? And you have to watch every one of their matches. That's Tomohiro Ishii. Yep, one of the most, if not the most, underrated wrestler in the world. Oh, absolutely. For the last decade. Yeah. For years. Him been. and Goto, they get zero respect. Like, they, they're they just overlooked constantly. Constantly. But they always deliver. Ishii, Ishii more so than yes. Goto. But Goto yes. is Goto is underlooked, and he is better than people give him credit for. But this, but Tomohiro Ishii is Hall of Fame level wrestling talent. He's incredible. Yeah. Look, Matt, you've watched Moose matches in the past. You've seen Moose versus Kenny yes. Omega. This was by far his best performance. Oh, yeah. And you know what? This is going to be another weird comparison, but I'll, I'll draw you in. I'll, you, you'll start questioning me, and then I'll draw you in. Boris, you know who Tomo Ishii is? You know who he reminds me a lot of? Who? Brett the Hitman Hart. Because he can you know get a why? great match out of anyone? He can get a great match out of anyone. He does his five or six things that he knows how to do. He puts them in the match exactly at the right points. He knows the three or four things that the other guy does best. He puts those in the match at the exact right spot. Every match he wrestles is put together in at a genius level. Every match he wrestles is very entertaining. He doesn't have bad matches no matter his opponent. And he's he's like a cult not a cult favorite, but like the favorite of the true wrestling fan. If yep. you actually watch wrestling and love wrestling, you kind of love this guy, you know? Yeah, no, dude, I, I 100%. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Good comparison. Better than Dolph Thanks, Ziggler. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ishii dropped Moose with a brain buster and pinned him for the win. So Tomohiro Ishii defeated Moose. Again, Moose's best performance. I enjoyed this match a lot. And now that I think about it more, you are 100% right. Ishii was the one. Like, I'm not, I, not that I didn't know this, but not to the extent of how you described it. Ishii just like really, 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 really got the best out of Moose. Oh, just absolute genius level uh, worker, wrestler. Uh, in the ring, Tomohiro Ishii is an artist. This guy is awesome, and he does it with clotheslines and suplexes and chops and elbows. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all he needs. Ishii matches are a treat. I'm going as high as four and a quarter Woo! Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. It's an 85% trout percentage. It's an A. It's the best match of Moose's career, in my opinion, and I haven't seen much out of Moose. So maybe that's wrong. Right. So, number one, never, 
ever, ever consider the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim part of LA. Never put them in the same. <laughs> never put them in the same sentence. That is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports. Do you know how far LA and Anaheim are? But they're the Los Angeles Angels bracket of Anaheim. <laughs> I hate but you. But it says so in their name. That's <laughs> like you know what you know what you know what this is like. The, the Toronto <laughs> Rock playing in Hamilton. <laughs> That's funny, man. There you go. Well, you know what? I am uh, completely uneducated in the ways of California. You are a Los Angeles boy. I'm sorry for insulting you and your people, buddy. I just wanted My to people? say the words. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Cancel Edward. Cancel Matthew Edward. <laughs> uh, I met I the good people of Los Angeles bonus for Christ's sake. Anyway, anyway, buddy, I just wanted to say the words trout percentage. That's all. Love it. Oh, Lord. Um, uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, great match between Ishii and Moose, though. Holy man. <laughs> All right, so as the broadcast team was speculating about the identity of John Moxley's mystery partner, guess who comes out? None other than Will Mother Effin Osprey. Um, he made his entrance dressed in a suit. Uh, Kelly Kelly noted that Osprey had to forfeit the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, and there have been questions about his future. Osprey got a mic and ended up announcing that he is medically cleared. He played up entering the G1 tournament, then said he would not be in the annual tournament osprey said he's not even going back to japan he said he broke his neck for njpw he said he needed four months off and they strip him off the championship he complained about how long moxley went without defending the iwgp u.s championship he brought up shingo takaki and called him a pussy he said njpw should put the world the word interim in front of shingo's championship osprey pulled out his title belt said it's the real world championship because he's unbeaten this champion and he'll never defend it in his new home of new japan strong this is like the most rick flair thing he could have done and it was so well done i love this angle yeah absolutely came out called shingo takagi a pussy and uh said he's the real world's champion Absolutely. This is yep. good stuff. I'm excited to see him. I'll watch. I don't even love Will Ospreay, but this is a very exciting angle, and I'll watch him on New Japan Strong every week. Dude, here's the thing. We're not done yet because Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors walked out. Osprey called them little bitches and continue his rant. Security tried to hold back Fredericks and Connors, but they made it on to, onto the top of the apron. TJP was also at ringside. Osprey called him a little bitch boy, which I freaking loved. TJP rolled into the ring, took the mic out of Osprey's hand, and tossed it onto the mat. Osprey back down. TJP tried to calm down Fredericks and Connors. Osprey picked up the mic and insulted someone, then rolled out of the ring and exited through the crowd. See, I don't like the fact that anyone, or I don't think or believe for a second that anyone in this world would be afraid of TJP. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. And Osprey, even though he's doing like the heel Ric Flair character, I agree with that. TJP is not an intimidating man. He's not even likable for this role. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of an interesting pairing, though, because they're both such shithead heels that I kind of want to see them beat each other up. Well, they're both watch a fight. Like, you it's know. like watching Diaz versus McGregor. You yes. want to see them both beat each other up. <laughs> you know, it's heel versus heel. 
in my opinion, although TJP might be a babyface in this promotion. Yeah. He's a heel to me. He's a heel to many people. He's a heel to Triple H, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, next match. But yeah, good stuff. Good yeah, stuff I like out this. of Osprey. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, John Moxley and his mystery partner, which turned out to be Yuji Nagata versus Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. Yeah. So I was uh, surprised at the result of this, but uh, a good, decent little match. Good effort from the good brothers. Nagata rules, Moxley rules. Yep, exactly. I love them. So Anderson performed a gun stun on Nagata. Gallows and Anderson hit the magic killer on Nagata, and then they pinned them. So the good brothers ended up beating John Moxley and Yuji Nagata. After the match, Gallows and Anderson delivered a gloating promo. Anderson's mic cut out. They tried replacing the mic, but that didn't work out either. The Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa walked out and entered the ring. Gallows and Anderson ended up ducking out and grabbed their Impact Tag Titles before heading to the back. Yeah, I thought that was a fun little thing. Fun little clever little uh, appearance for the Gorillas of Destiny. Although, not really excited to see the match. I do like the Gorillas of Destiny. That's kind of fun. But yeah, this this match was okay. I would go three Los Angeles Lakers out of five. It's a 60% Shaq percentage. Yep. Yep, exactly. Uh, Jay White and versus David Finley for the Never Openweight Championship. Uh, too long, but yes. good wrestlers here. Jay White, better than David Finley, obviously. Jay White's great. But David Finley's pretty good, too. I feel like he's a little underrated. He's a little bland, maybe, but he's he's pretty solid in the ring. Yeah. Man, this crowd did not like Finley, though. Yeah, they well, they, they love Jay White, I think. Yeah. I, I, and maybe, maybe too, it's because there's been rumors that David Finley's on his way to WWE. Yes. I've read that. I was going to say, you know, once people sniff that out, they will turn on you. So, yeah. yeah. Big time. Yeah. Especially this, like, this hardcore crowd. So, yeah. yeah, I think that was more, it was more, A, they love Jay White. B, there's rumors that Finley is heading over to uh, perhaps WWE, NXT, UK, or regular NXT. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, so, yeah, Jay White won with his Blade Runner. Um, he is still the never openweight champion. Like I said, this match, or like you said, this match did go a little too long. It was okay. And, you know, it, uh, Jay White, man, he's improved so much. I liked babyface oh, yeah. Jay White um, when he was here after his, uh, when he was here um, with uh, Ring of Honor before he went back uh, and to New Japan. And I was so uncertain at the huge push that they were giving him. But I I, I buy it now. Like, you know what? I was yeah. wrong. I, I was wrong. Jay White is the man. Do you remember when he first busted out the Switchblade character and people called him Knife Pervert yes. on social media? I remember. But, uh, yeah, the Knife Pervert has gotten the last laugh. I, I agree with you. The Switchblade Jay White is one of the best wrestlers in the business. Yeah, and it was just like, you know, his first match as switchblade you know is against tanahashi like you know it's yeah. it that's it's, it's a lot of pressure for the poor kid oh, absolutely. um especially yeah. at wrestle kingdom right like so you know that they strapped on the rocket behind them um but i just like for me it was just too fast especially like a couple months earlier he was still wearing his white trunks in roh yeah exactly yeah so yeah it, it, he's come a long way buddy he's come a long way and then it was the main event of the night, Lance Archer versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP US Championship. Dude, I was yes. shocked by the result. Yeah, same. I did not expect that. Uh, before we go too much further, just want to uh, 
if I didn't put a number on that one, I don't think I did. We're going to go three and a half uh Los Angeles Dodgers out of five, 70% Kirk Gibson percentage. And Tomohiro Ishii walked out and challenged Jay White after the match. We're going to get Ishii versus Jay White. Yes. Yes. I I'll about take that. that. Yep. Hook that to my veins. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, Tanahashi versus Lance Archer. Buddy, this was a pretty good match, too, though not the best match of the night. Pretty solid match. But, man, what a shock. Yeah. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked, um, and and like I've heard the rumor that Moxley is going to face Tanahashi at All Out, but I didn't think or speculate or even imagine the fact that that match would have needed the IWGP US Championship. But it makes sense now. Yeah, it makes sense. That's the reason why Tanahashi is in the US to defend yeah. the yeah. US Championship. And you know what? I bet Moxley puts him over. I bet Tanahashi beats Moxley in an, in an AEW ring. That would be cool. That would be very cool. But yeah. Yeah. Excellent main event. I thought this was a very good match, man. Great match. Uh, second best match of the night by a pretty safe margin. A, Tanahashi isn't quite at the level he was at 2016. But you know what, man? This guy is still incredible. If I'm if I'm going to sit here and tell people who listen to this podcast that I love Randy Orton, then I better put some respect on Tanahashi's name. You know what I mean? Like, everything I love about Randy Orton, Tanahashi does, and more, and more, and more. So this guy is great. He is a treat to watch. I love Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yep. What I loved was a storytelling in this match, like the beating that Tanahashi took throughout the match. Though it is becoming a trope with Tanahashi. You know, he's the underdog. He's going to get his ass kicked and he's going to somehow find his way to get the high fly flow, um, which is okay. But, you know, it was great storytelling overall. And I really like that because yeah. Lance Archer did deliver a beating to Tanahashi. So when Tanahashi did eventually win, the broadcast team, Kevin Kelly and Aiden English and... Uh, um, Alex Kozlov, they really tried to do a huge, huge favor to really put over the fact that this was a huge upset, especially considering the ass-kicking that Tanahashi took throughout the match. Yeah, exactly. You know it's a big upset when you're get the when you listening to the Japanese commentary and you get the, oh, when they when they hit that three and all three announcers, like, roar in succession. It's one of my favorite things about watching Japanese wrestling. It's so satisfying and it, it adds to the shock value so much. And they had that roaring reaction to this one. Tanahashi, huge upset, great match, and a, a great end to this show. Yep. Man, like I said, overall, I really enjoyed this show. This was a fun little uh, night. Um, you know, the mix between the strong uh, roster and the actual New Japan roster, the main roster, for lack of a better term, the non-US roster, I should say, not main roster. You know what I mean. Sorry. Um, I liked it. I'm, and I'm, I'm really enjoying these shows. Uh, I'm happy that New Japan is putting a lot of emphasis into the stateside shows. It's cool to see that in the fall we're going to get a bunch of more shows. And I'm interested to see who will be showing up from Japan. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, buddy. It's a very intriguing time, especially with Osprey. Now we got... Jay White versus Ishii coming on one of these shows, maybe. And we have all these like Moxley coming to and fro and all these AEW wrestlers coming to and fro. It's really exciting, man. Brian Danielson. CM Punk. Can you imagine? Jinx. Punk versus Tenzon. Finally. Oh, man. That. Oh, man. 
that'd be insane. All Kent right, so versus Kenta. Yeah. Oof, yes. The <laughs> battle of the GTS. Yeah, baby. All right, so all right, so yeah, I'm giving before we go too further. I'm giving that main event four Los Angeles Kings out of five. It's an eighty percent Marty McSorley percentage, Boris. It's a great match. Oh, that's a name you should never mention to me again. <laughs> he cost us nineteen ninety three Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Who who uh who? Yeah, who some you, some stupid uh, weird <laughs> Quebecer team. Ole, ole. <laughs> All right. Um, weren't they managed by uh, Ray Rougeau or something? I don't know. <laughs> I believe it was Joe. <laughs> All right. Triple A, Triple Mania. C, um, Triple A. I don't know why I was about to say CML. I'm losing my mind. Um, <laughs> all right. Initial reactions. What did you think of this show? I know that Lucha Libre can be a little different in terms of how yeah. they have their match layout. It's also a huge Reminder to people that their main championship, their singles championship, uh, their mega campeonato, as they call it, isn't that important. Um, so overall, Not what did you think important. of the? Sh- what did you think of the show? Um, did you kind of like you know what were your expectations? Uh, I pretty much my expectations were met. I thought it was gonna be like it was gonna be fun. I wasn't going to understand all of it. It was gonna have some weird camera work. And I was just hoping that the stream that I was watching on, obviously a lot of people watched on uh, from Cubs fan Lucha blog. He he streamed it live on his Twitch. And uh, thank you very much to him. And uh, yeah, it ended up working out for everyone. I, I believe like if you look, he posted the numbers on his Twitter and it is like, I think he had like over 10,000 unique viewers throughout the night. So crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, in a, in your typical, um, Lucha card, your singles championship will not main event. This blew the mind of a lot of newer fans. Yeah, I definitely, like, I in going through our pick contest, I totally said that Omega versus Andrade was the main event because to an American, a North American fan, it is, but it wasn't. It obviously, oh, well, Mexico's in North America. Sorry, an American fan, which I actually am. I I too, was born in the United States, Boris, despite the fact that I am painfully Canadian now and I wouldn't change it for the world. Anyway, yeah, so Omega Andrade was the story, you know, coming into this show, and it was probably the story coming out of it, but it was not the best match on the show. Yep. And the other thing is that there is always the main event, the main attraction is always going to be a Luchas de Apuestos match, which is a match bet. Um, you Typically, it's mask v. mask, mask v. hair, a combination of the two. Want something like that, right? Um, it's yep. literally translated to fight of bets. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, Psycho Clown versus Ray Scorpion. It was mask versus hair in the main event of this one. But yeah, we got all kinds of stuff. We got crazy spot fests. We got a Royal Rumble. We got a Marvel Comics exhibition match. Yep. All right. Let's start from the top. And the first match was your Marvel Lucha Libre, which was Team Leyenda Americana versus Team Terror Purpura. Yes, sir. Okay, so Leanda Americana, that was the babyface team, played by Arcano, which was Hio Del Vikingo, right? And he's one of the most incredible luchadors alive. Yes. That guy's insane. He came riding down to the ring wearing a Spider-Man costume, upside down on a zip line. Yep. It yep. was crazy. What a, and he almost got stuck a couple times. It was one of the craziest things on the entire show, Boris. 
<laughs> just shaking that one off. But yeah, no, that kind of stuff happens like uh, far more than uh, in Mexico than it does in uh, the United States these days. Yeah. So yeah, this uh, was. Uh, do you want to run down a little more? No, you can kind of take over. Captain America was Octagon Junior. Who else was in this match? Venom was Black Taurus. Yep. Uh, Terror Popura was, of course, Brian Cage. Yep. Their Thanos character. Yeah, who is Thanos? Yep. Well, that's Terror Popura. Oh, Brian I got, I got yeah. you. I got you. Okay. Yeah, take it from here. Uh, yeah. You're way far more versed in comic books than I. Good yeah. Story. Yeah, it was it just was what it was. I don't have the list in front of me, um, but yeah, it was it was a, it was it was exactly what you were gonna get. It these this match again. We saw one of these matches back in uh, December, and it was okay. Um, and this match was okay as well. It was just was what it was. Um, yeah, so Thanos was on the run of a dominate was on his run of domination until Incredible Hulk broke through a brick wall to save the day. Captain America hit Venom with a Spanish fly, followed by a 630 Centon from Spider-Man to win the match for your Technicos. Yeah. So pretty solid bunch of fun. I would say the last comic match we seen we saw was a disaster. This was the best comic match that we've seen of the two or three comic matches we've seen on these AAA cards. I'm going as high as three Lucha Masks out of five. It's a 60% Rey Mysterio senior percentage. Yep. Um, and then you had your Copa Bardal, uh, which the uh, the participants of this Royal Rumble-style match, Battle Royal, included Mestizas Jr., Carta Brava Jr., Aramis, uh, Tito Santana, not that one, Drago, Nengo Hamburguesa, Mocha Cota Jr., uh, Pimpinela Escarta, Viano Tres Jr., Mamba, Arginus, and Mr. Iwana. Yeah, Mr. Iguana. We we picked him out last time. God, I should have picked him in the pick contest. Yeah, you I did. I, I like him so much. You did, homie. I know it did. did. So yeah, this was a this was a pretty dire, pretty bad Royal Rumble, but it had some fun spots. Nino Hamburguesa seems to be quite popular. He's hilarious. I like him. Mr. Yep. Iguana, same same deal. Uh, yeah, what'd you think of this one, man? Eh, you know what? This one was for the kids, for the fans. This one was just to get people on the card. Um, you know, what I do enjoy about uh, AAA CMLL Battle Royale rules is that the final two, it turns into a wrestling match that you typically have to win by submission or pin. Um, so the final four in this match were Mr. Iwana, Brava, Mysticis, and Arginus. Arginus used a Spanish fly down to the floor to eliminate himself, and Mysticis, Iwana, rallied by using his stuffed animal Iwana to hit Brava and break free from a figure four. Iwana pinned Brava via a bulldog. Yeah, so Mr. Iguana wins the Copa Triple Mania. And yep. uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty big surprise because he's kind of like jobber level, but yep, you know, yeah. All right, dude. So how many um, how many uh, something would you give well, this? So I, I think we're gonna have to include the post match angle here okay. because it was pretty important. All right. So after the trophy celebration, Sanson, Guatero, and Forrest. Uh, Forastero came out on stage as a major surprise. La Nueva Generación Dinamita were released by CMLL earlier that week. They exited CMLL as the World of Trios champions. La Dinamita brutally put the boots to Iwana. 
Aramis and Octagon Jr. tried to make the save, but they failed miserably. Um, Los Dinamita kicked ass and stood tall on the mic. They laughed at the chump luchadors. They are in AAA to bring order to the clown show and demonstrate true lucha libre. Um, Poder del Norte. Poder del Norte rushed to the ring. Uh, they wanted to fight. La Empresa Facción came in to support Los uh, Dinamita and Pummel. Poder del Norte. La Empresa offered t-shirts to the newcomers who accepted the alliance. So uh, this was really cool. This was really major. The fact that Poder del Norte, who seemed to be rudos for the most time, most of the time, um, you know, tried to make the save for AAA against these invading former CML wrestlers. You know, it was kind of kind of major. And then you have La Nueva Generación um, Dinamita, who who already kind of you know made friends here in AAA. So this is a really cool uh, angle to move forward with. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, good job of explaining that because, yeah, a lot of that subtlety was lost on me until I read it later. But, yeah, there was kind of like not not just a, a heel turn, but like an, an invading faction came in and there was kind of a babyface turn as well in yep. this whole segment. So that was pretty that was pretty big stuff here. And I'm uh, very intrigued to see what's coming next. I'm sure they're going to have an amazing trios match. And uh, yeah, I would say this was a terrible match that gets a full star bump from the awesome angle. So we're going to go two Lucha Masks out of five for a 40% psychosis percentage. Slight fail still. All right. Title V title. Diana Perrazzo versus Fabi Apache. Yeah, uh, again, pretty solid match. Uh, I could stand to do without a heel referee gimmick ever again. But this this is like a tradition, basically, uh, mm -hmm. as far as I understand it. Yeah, so, this happens eh. so often. It's crazy how often. This is a, a Lucha Libre trope. This happens way too many times. Even on their regular TV, this happens. Yeah, there you go. And I think, yeah, Fabio Apache has a longstanding rivalry with this particular referee, correct? Yes. Uh, Hio Del Torantes? Yeah. So... Yep. All right. So Perazzo uh, got a Venus de Milo double armbar for the victory. So your winner yeah. and double champion, Diana Perazzo. So yeah, pretty good match. You can you can say it was standard lucha fair if you wanted to, but I, I'd say it was probably slightly a little better. So I'm going to go three uh, lucha masks out of five. It's a 60% El Santo percentage, Boris. Right, so I'm going to have to dis disagree with you. I'm going to have to give this one a four because typically speaking, oh. women's matches are not good in huh. Lucha Libre. Okay. So this one sure. was like really, really good. Um, Frankie Monet used to have amazing matches as well, but it was when you brought in the gringos, you know, when you brought them in, that's when you would have good right. matches. But typically speaking, you know, the women's division is in dire, dire need for better um, for better matches Not to say that the talent isn't there But for some reason just something doesn't click There's too much commotion They overbook the matches as you can see with this match But this one was yeah. well done There was just enough Enough uh, enough taquito sauce to make it really good Awesome Well that's a good perspective man Thank, well, thank you very much for uh, for adding that That's Yeah, yeah it's good to know <clears throat> Alright next was for the triple a tag team championship as yeah. the lucha brothers phoenix and pentagon went up against hijo de Velquino and laredo kid and taurus and brian cage in a three-way match dude yeah this was my match of the night 
Oh, absolutely. Me too, man. This match was awesome. Just a spectacular spot fest. Absolutely insane. Taurus and Brian Cage there to catch these four men flipping around. And yeah, absolutely wild match. Very, very entertaining. Definitely the best match on the show. Yeah, by far. Not by far, but it was, it was very entertaining. Um, again, you know, Lucha Bros. Again, let's talk about this. Their style here in Mexico is different enough that, you know, that it makes them so much better in Mexico than in the States. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's an, uh, uh, a language barrier. I don't know whether it's just they, they, they click better with their Mexican opponents, but I enjoy the Lucha Bros more in AAA than I do in AEW. Maybe it's the booking. I don't know. I think it's a combination of all those things, man. Because, yeah, all of those things that you just brought up are valid points. So they all matter. And that's probably the the sum of it is probably why. They're so much better in AAA. But I 100% agree. They, they were awesome. Awesome Brian, in this match. You know what? Both and I have to them. say, Brian Cage also. I enjoy him out of AEW more than I do in AEW. I'm not a huge Brian Cage guy, but I could see that. I, 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 I enjoyed him the same amount in this match that I do every time I see him. <laughs> yep. All right, so the Lucha Bros ended up winning when they diminished Vikingo um, with a teamwork Paul Driver, as we always see them do every Wednesday on Dynamite on TNT. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they, I did not expect them to win this match, but yeah, you sold me on it during our pick contest. It does make sense for them to hold the AAA titles, wear them sometimes on AEW TV, and maybe they could build to a title versus title match with the Young Bucks down the line. Who knows? Yep, exactly. Um, so uh, how would you rate this match? We're going to go as high as four Lucha Masks out of five. It is an 80% Pentagon Senior percentage. Yep. All right, then we got some angles. Conan approached Andrade about being in his corner for the title match against Kenny Omega. Andrade declined the offer. He has someone more important in mind, he says. Conan insulted walked over to Omega's locker room with a business proposition to ensure victory and Omega was all ears. I really like this. That was pretty good. You know, I, I, anytime Conan gets to speak, he's still one of the best promo guys uh, around somehow. A lot of guys have lost. I'm not saying he hasn't lost some speed off the fastball. He's not throwing 100 anymore, but he's still throwing a pretty fast pitch. He's still pretty good. Have you listened to Ted DiBiase? Oh boy, yeah, we have. We have done that. Oh god. Yep. All right. Lucha de Empresa versus Team Triple A. So you had Puma King, Sam Adonis, and DMT Azul represented La Empresa, Pagano, Murder Clown, and Chessman represented Team Triple A. Yeah, I wish I would have known the uh full impact of the whole invader thing coming into this show but now i know now i'm a little more educated in the ways of triple a for next time but yeah definitely was clear after kind of seeing the first angle on the show that puma king sam adonis and dmt azul were going to win this match and they didn't yes <laughs> uh so puma pin chessman for the win this was an okay match this is a you know your typical um lucha multi-man match before you get to the big main events yeah, uh, nothing uh, particularly wrong with it. I thought it was about the Mendoza line. I gave it two and a half Lucha Masks out of five. It is a 50% Viano percentage. Yep. All right. The Triple A Mega Campeonato match. Kenny Omega versus Andrade in 
Kenny's corner was Conan. And in Andrade's corner was someone who I didn't even wouldn't even consider being on this show. And I don't know why I wouldn't even consider it. But it was none other than Rick Effin Flair. Yeah, Rick Flair just living his best life no matter what at all times. Speaking of Rick Getting Flair, a- do you yes. see that he's trending on Twitter right now? Right now? Oh, right now. no. What for? Oh, he's alive. He's fine. Okay. He's living his best life. Yeah. I'm going to talk while you look this up. All right. Yeah, so, gonna, yeah, talk about this match. Yep. So, yeah. So, this match was was awesome. This match was a lot of fun. Andrade's best match in years, probably since his match with Johnny Gargano. Um, Kenny Omega, I don't know. It's just, uh, there's something about Kenny Omega outside of AEW that I really appreciate a lot more. Um, this match went 25 minutes overall. Uh, you know, I gotta say that like the crowd was also pretty much into it. Uh, after a referee bump, this allowed Ric Flair to get involved. Chops, punches, knock to Omega. Andrade and Flair slapped on dual figure force to Omega and Conan. Once the referee was revived, Conan created a distraction for Omega to clobber Andrade with the title belt. One winged angel. Uh, this. Uh, did finish the job with the help of a fast count from the crooked referee, Hijo del Tirante. So your winner and still champion, Kenny Omega. Good wrestling match. Very, very good. So Boris, I consulted <laughs> Twitter. So there's a picture floating around. <laughs> Actually, an hour ago, Flair tweeted something to the effect of that picture's not real. Here's the real one. Woo. And it's just a picture of him. But, yeah. uh, it kind of sure that's hilarious. That is just absolutely hilarious. I have no words. You know how there I know it's a, fake? There is a picture. You know how Let's I know it's a fake it. picture and it's not Ric Flair? He's not in a private jet. <laughs> that's a really good point. It's not doing that in commercial. On, it's, that's coach, like doing that on a freaking me? go train. <laughs> oh, lordy. Yeah. So I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go three and a half Lucha masks out of five. Uh, it's a 70% La Sombra percentage on this one. Ric Flair, good heavens. <laughs> God bless that man. Have you seen how ripped he looks? Yeah, absolutely. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, he's yeah, he's out of it. Yeah, I don't know. There's a man <laughs> who just was like, just, yeah, he just, God bless him. All right, then Lucha <laughs> yeah. de Apuestas match, Mask v. Hair, Psycho Clown versus Rey Escorpion. Yeah, so uh, to me, was something that hurt this match slightly was the outcome was never in doubt for one second. Psycho Clown just lost his father. He's not going to lose his mask. Like it was a it was a tribute to the uh, to the late Super Porky, the great Super Porky, and uh, yeah, so that kind of hurt this match in my opinion. Having said that, it was still a bloody war. Very very entertaining. Yeah. Two old men beating each other to death. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it was up there with uh, Blue Demon and 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 Doctor Wagner. Like that match was one of the bloodiest matches I've ever seen. This one was fun. That's what. I, that's why I love these matches. Two peep, two older guys just saying, "F it, let's throw down, let's go fist to cuffs and and have fun with this." Absolutely, and yeah, they, that's exactly what they did. They went in there, they beat the crap out of each other, and they had some fun with it. It was yep. a fun match. They they did a good job of being entertaining while, again, never being in doubt for one second. Yep. So in up and over Torito pinfall earned Psycho Clown the win. Escorpion received a haircut as the losing stipulation. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I thought this was a pretty good match. We're going to go as high as three and a half uh, Lucha Mask out of five. It's a 70% Psycho Clown percentage, 70% Brazo de Plata percentage. Uh, did they wear a mask? I don't know. Sorry. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm intrigued to see if Psycho Clown gets a title shot versus Kenny Omega. That seems yeah. to be the, the scuttlebutt, the talk. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because, like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what what ends up happening. I can I can honestly see um, someone like Laredo Kid getting a chance again. Uh, there's there's a lot of people uh, who I can see Kenny Omega going up against. Um, it really depends on what direction they want to go in. The next big match or the next big show is going to probably be like the November December time frame. So we'll see what 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 goes on. Absolutely. So yeah, man, great show this week. I think we did a good job covering it pretty in a pretty quick and concise way. Next week, I think we're going to have more time to talk about our lives and chill out a little bit. We're going to have a little retro look at SummerSlam 91 and we'll talk some sports and uh, some things, you know. Exactly. So if you're coming from SNME Radio and the Patreon feed, thank you for listening. If you're coming from the BAM Sports Entertainment feed, obviously, thank you for listening. Regardless where you're coming from, we thank you for listening. If you're coming from SNME Radio, um, we have the Old Fox All Elite Weekly coming to you on Friday. On Saturday, there will be not one, but two shows because the Old Fox are back and they're going to be talking about all things Rampage and it's a must-see, best-in-the-world show, in my opinion. Um, and then your Smack Daddies, the East Coast Dads, are going to be talking about all things SmackDown. Um, for now, you know, the All Elite Weekly will have two shows a week. So look at that, man. Every day, some days you're getting multiple shows. What a time to subscribe to the SNME Radio Patreon. Thank you very much for listening out there. Stay safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah.